Yo, 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 yo. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back. So, as I promised, and I've kept my promise all throughout the week, um, this is the third episode of the week. I had a couple people like, oh my goodness, I really enjoyed the quarterback thing and so forth. Um, a lot, I'm getting a lot of feedback. It seemed like you guys really enjoyed that episode with me breaking down literally every team's, or well, not literally every team, but the teams that we know, there's some question at quarterback. I broke that down for you guys. Uh, like I said, appreciate the feedback. I, I love the response that I'm getting from everybody and so forth. Um, yeah, I, I, I love it. I love it. Thank you guys. Thank you for being so supportive. Uh, but as we already know, this is the Saturday episode. This is the Saturday episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. So you guys know, um, annually throughout the NFL season, we do, I have my top 10 teams list that you guys are so anticipated, that you guys wait so, you know, so dearly for. I got, I give you that. Um, got an array of topics that we're going to get into, but. First and foremost, I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kip, the Isaiah Kip Podcast. Shouts out to everybody listening. Greatly appreciate it. Like I said, greatly appreciate all the reception and feedback that I am receiving after the latest episode where I uh <laughs> I went through the quarterbacks and the state of the, the state of the quarterbacks. Um, so let's let's not even waste any time to it, right? And I'm gonna start with the Thursday night performance of Zach Wilson. Uh, with this being a standalone game, prime time, we get Zach Wilson. We get the first two picks, the first two quarterbacks taken in the 2020 draft, Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. We had, we had them on display. And I often think a lot of these like situations and quarterback situations, and they really come to light. And in, in, in games like this, where it brings us clarity, I don't think there's not much pushback to, to like, there's no, there's no pushback. I think everybody knows it. Everybody saw it. It brings everybody clarity. I think it's funny because like in these standalone primetime games where these issues, uh, like where everybody sees these issues, I think we all come together like as a consensus and like, okay, like, yeah, this is definitely the issue. Cause like as a country, we, Oh my goodness. As a country, we can't agree on anything. <laughs> like, like we can't agree on anything. Like literally we can't, we can't agree on the simplest things in life. One person may say, Oh, the sky is blue. Another person may say, Nah, sky's a little gray. It's like, God damn, we can't agree. At, we can't agree on anything as a country. But I'll tell you this I think the, the one thing we can all agree on after this Thursday night game is that we have seen enough of Zach Wilson. I think we can all agree to that. <laughs> you know? I think we can all agree to that. And I don't want to bash the kid. Uh, like, you guys know, I've been talking about Zach Wilson for some time over the past couple weeks now. 
Um, his name has been just ringing, ringing all over the place, all throughout the media. I've gone on different platforms and podcasts and so forth, talked about the Zach Wilson situation. And once again, it was another ugly performance from Zach Wilson. And I'll be lying to you guys if I said I expected better or I had high expectations because I didn't. I, did, I, I didn't. And at this point, it's become pretty hard to to watch. Like I am a I'm a person that just watches the game because I want to like watch it so I can be able to talk to you guys about it and you know <laughs> be able to hold different conversations and so forth. People call on me to do certain things. So I have to be able to talk about it. I have to be knowledgeable about it. So it's very hard for me to watch. But I can only be I can only imagine being a Jets fan. <laughs> how how painful this must be as a Jets fan, to watch your number two overall pick two years ago now struggle, and it seems like he's all but done just in two years. And I say this about Robert Salah and the Jets team that he has built, that they have built so far, and it's a really good team. Like, literally everywhere else, the defense has been spectacular this year. Uh, standout rookie DB Sauce Gardner is he? He's going to be an All Pro caliber player for years to come. Quentin Quentin Williams is having a he's having a career year. Um, they got some nice got some nice receivers on offense. Like the Jets, they they got some talent. They they got they got some ta- they got some really really nice young talent, and it's 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 definitely different from the Giants. The Giants their roster is very much generic. And a lot of and a lot of the positions and position groups, the Giants have a lot of generic talent. The Jets, that's not the case. The Jets actually have talent. But I think it comes to a point where Salah has said all of the right things up until this point, or concerning this matter of Zach Wilson. He said all the right things, but there's no getting around it. Over the last two years, since Zach Wilson has been a Jet, there has been around five other quarterbacks. That I have that I have to come into the game, and they have replaced him, and they have all ran the offense much more effectively than Zach Wilson. Like, I I think it it's it's otherworldly to think about. Like, it's kind of mind boggling to think about that. That over the last two years, his first two years in the league, he there has been about five quarterbacks that the Jets have put in place. Due to him playing bad, or due to him playing poorly, or due to him being hurt, and they all have looked good. They have all have looked better than Zach Wilson. And like I said, this team is trying. The defense is good. The coaching staff is good. I like Salah. I like I like Mike Lafleur as a as a as a offensive coordinator. I like the coaching staff that they have, and they tried. You know, they threw the ball on first down, the first five drives. But last night, I was just watching, I, like, and this is where, like, I don't want to bash the kid too much because, like, last night I was just watching Zach Wilson. And there is a there's a portion of what I saw last night where it's like, there's no confidence. There's no confidence. There, there There's just no confidence. His confidence is just at an all-time low. So, like, regardless of he may not even be good enough, right? Because, like, 
granted, he you know, he's talented or whatever, but he may just not be good enough to be a starting quarterback in this league, which is okay. A lot of quarterbacks aren't good. A lot of people aren't good enough. But regardless of him not being good enough or, you know, or that matter, it's just like you can tell, like, even the fans, the fans, it's kind of like it, it became fun to the fans to boo him. Like, it is bad. It's bad. It is bad. So, like, I could talk about Zach Wilson. You guys know I wasn't a huge Zach Wilson guy when he came out of the draft. I can, you know, I can talk all day about this, but honestly, what I saw last night, what I witnessed last night was a guy who I thought lost all, all of his confidence and just was flustered. He looked really small. He looked like a deer in headlights. He just didn't look there. <laughs> like he, like, and I think after all of this, like his confidence is shot. His confidence is just shot. You can tell. Um, in his seven drives, I think he only got a total of 78 yards. Um, and the one drive that he did produce points on, it ended up with negative yardage, but it ended up with a field goal because the defense forced a fumble on Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars' first possession, and that gave them that ultimately gave them good, you know, good enough field position where they got they they cashed in on the only three points of the night. So, I think it's really interesting when we have these type of games, we get clarity. We get clarity. And it's undeniable. I think there's no defense for it. Granted, um, like I said, Zach, like I said, regardless, he may not even be good. He may not even be good enough to play at this level as a starter. But his comp, like, you could just tell, like, dude's confidence was shot. Didn't help that the fans booing him. He's already lost the locker room. And I'm not trying to make it. I'm not trying to be like, oh, man, I'm not trying to make uh, make it seem like I'm feeling bad for Zach Wilson. No, I'm not trying to be sympathetic or no. But I'm just, I'm just telling you, like, what I saw, I saw a guy who was at, like, the point where his confidence was shot. And he hasn't been good his first two years. He's actually been dead last in completion percentage his first two years in the league. Out of all of the passers that qualify, his rookie year, he only he completed 55% of his passes, and now this year he completed only 54% of his passes. Both years, dead last in completion percentage for all quarterbacks that qualified. Um, It, it just sucks. It sucks. And if you're a Jets fan, it's like, damn, like, we actually have a, a, a really good roster. And, like, the Jets, this is their time. This is their opportunity where they're not they're not salary cap strapped on no one particular player, really. They got a not, they got a lot of, like I said, they got a lot of nice players on both sides of the ball who are on cheap and expensive deals. I mean... You got to get, like, this team is not a bad team. This is, like, 
I was talking about quarterback situations. I look at a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo. Older, veteran guy, can win, has been on really good teams, doesn't really cost you the game, and not he's not it's not like an elite quarterback, right? You know, we all know that Jimmy Garoppolo's not an elite quarterback, but he could run this offense effectively. And also, Robert Salah was the defensive coordinator of the 49ers when they went the year they went to the Super Bowl. And then also Mike LaFleur, that the Mike LaFleur connection is as well. So that's that. He was with also he was also with the San Francisco 49ers. Or I look at a guy like Derek Carr, who could potentially be on the on the move. A guy like Derek Carr, who, like I said, not once again, not elite, but a, a, a good starter, a good solid starter in this league. Because let's be honest, I always say this, you know, Mike White. I think at times he's shown flashes, but think about it. You got to play Josh Allen two times a year. You have Mike White as your quarterback. Good luck. You got to play Tua Tonga Valor and Mike McDaniels with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, and you have Mike McDaniels as your quarterback. Good luck. Good luck. You also have Bill Belichick and the Patriots, who defensively Bill is always solid. And the Patriots are always solid. Hopefully, and I think they will, they'll, they'll at some point hire a real offensive coordinator. Or you can just look all throughout the AFC where there's just a lineage of young quarterbacks. There I mentioned Joe Burrow and Cincinnati Bengals. You have Mike White. Justin Herbert in the Chargers. You have Mike White. Oh, oh yeah. The newest edition, the latest edition. Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars, you have Mike White. So at some point, you gotta the 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 Jets, they have to make a move in getting a guy that has played in this league, that has won some games, because this roster right now is ready to go to the next level. And honestly, obviously, we see Zach Wilson isn't that guy that's gonna take the Jag, I mean the Jets to the next level at this point. And Mike White, having Mike White as your quarterback and, you know, just hearing me name some of the teams and quarterbacks throughout the conference doesn't really seem like a fair fight, right? Right. Doesn't really seem like a fair fight. So Zach Wilson, like I said, his confidence is shot, hasn't played well. I wasn't a huge Zach Wilson fan coming out of BYU. At all, he's a little immature. He kind of lost the first step that I think he went wrong. He kind of lost the locker room, lost the locker room. Players don't really, ex- ex- you know, exude confidence in him. They back Mike White, though. That's the one thing they back Mike White. And I'm not saying Mike White is a bad quarterback, but like I said, I named some of the other quarterbacks throughout the conference and the division. Doesn't really seem like a fair fight. Speaking of another quarterback um, in bringing clarity in, in the AFC, I welcome you, Trevor Lawrence, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence, I can say, has officially arrived. Yes, yes, yes. He's officially arrived. And this this comes by no surprise to me. First, I will say this. 
this goes to show you coaching matters in this league. His Trevor Lawrence first year was so bad, and it a lot a lot of it, I don't even think it was because of him. I think it was just because of the structure and the coaching and the the environment that he was surrounded in. I just think he it, it like it just made him look that bad. Because he looks this, he looks good. He looks this good, too good to the point where I have to almost like eliminate what I saw his from his first year because that like Urban Meyer was totally, totally arrogant and was over his head as an NFL head coach. Great college coach, but as an NFL head coach, over his head. So first point, coaching matters in this league. You need an adult, you need a mature guy. Doug Peterson, mature, offensively innovative, also has experience with winning, and he's a Super Bowl champion. So that's the first point. Coaching matters. And I always tell you guys this, coaching fits matter. No matter how talented you are, like it's, it is very, very difficult. And we all can agree, most of us can agree, that Trevor Lawrence is a he like he has all of the tools and the measurables to be really, really damn good. But even himself, being as talented as he is, couldn't overcome Urban Meyer and his deficiencies as a coach. So that's the first thing. Second thing is the reason why I can comfortably say Trevor Lawrence has obviously arrived and I'm I'm not trying to make it seem like uh this was the game. But like I said, these standalone games, it brings you clarity. You saw what Zach Wilson looked like. You saw what Trevor Lawrence looked like. Trevor Lawrence, first drive of the game, he fumbles. The Jets end up getting points. That could have easily that 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 game last that game on Thursday could have easily went wrong. It could have easily went left, and it could have spun out of control, and the Jacksonville Jaguars lose. No, 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 no. Trevor Lawrence, as calm as he is, as patient as he is, took control. Next two drives ended up in points, and then it was game over. It was game over. I mean, the, the Jaguars, they were coming off an um, emotional win, a signature type win over the Cowboys the previous week. They're on a short week, road game in New York, prime time, standalone game, going up against a really good defense, by the way. This is no sl- like oh no, they're going up against a really good defense. That get that 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 fumble incident could have went totally left. It could have went the wrong way after that. But you know what? You know what Trevor Lawrence did? Took a deep breath. Cool, calm, and collected. Next two drives end up in points. See ya. Game over. Game over. And Trevor Lawrence, you're starting to see it. You're starting to see it. And I think he is he is well in that class where you look at the Justin Herberts, the Joe Burrow, like that A that AFC elite, that those AFC, those young AFC quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence is slowly making his way, and here we go. The Jacksonville Jaguars now with, I mean, they 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 control their own destiny, get to the playoffs at this point. They're going to probably be a playoff. I would probably bet that they're going to be a playoff team 
with the injury to Ryan Tannehill, and even with Ryan Tannehill, I would probably still I'm still probably pick the Jaguars. But no Ryan Tannehill now. Here we go. Like I said, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars. He is now, he's here. He's arrived. Last point is this. Generational talent. I think almost every time when we, when, when a lot of people spot, like a lot of people spot, spotted John Elway and said, he's going to be great. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. We did that. With, we also did that with Peyton Manning. Like, Peyton Manning's going to be great. One of the best quarterback prospects ever. He's going to be great. And we did it with Trevor Lawrence. He, well, we did it with Andrew Luck, too. He's going to be great. Andrew Luck, obviously, we know what happened. Great start to his career, but injuries took a toll on him. He retired early. And then we did the same thing with Trevor Lawrence. Generation, we gave him the generational talent tag. Anytime, and I think, and this is why I think the quarterback evaluation process has become corny because we just throw around these tags and give people and give players these labels. No, 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 no. John Elway was probably one of the first quarterback prospects ever where scouts, analysts, journalists looked at him and was like, yeah, this is a generational talent. <laughs> Peyton Manning. Also in that class where, like, scouts, analysts, GM, they was like, yeah, this guy's going to be great. And then the same thing happened with Trevor Lawrence. He got scouts, analysts, coaches. Yeah, this this is this is a generational talent. Anytime you get that tag, tell me where has it gone wrong. And I'm not just saying we just don't. Like, that's what I said. The quarterback evaluation, corny. It's corny. It, be, it, it, it has become corny as hell. We need to, like, just because somebody can throw a sidearm pass doesn't mean they're a generational talent. There's kids all over the country, seven-on-seven seven camps, all throughout the spring and summer. They're being taught that stuff. So we can no longer keep continue to say, keep, you know, continue to say, oh, just because a guy can throw off platform and throw sidearm passes, that th that doesn't make him a generational talent. We have to stop that. We have to stop throwing labels and and tags at these young players. We must stop doing that. Everybody wants to be Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. No, they're one of one. They're in their own stratosphere. Instead of teaching quarterbacks, young quarterbacks, how to be Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, you know what tape you should put on? You should probably put on Tom Brady's tape. Great mechanics. And I'm not saying Mahomes and Allen don't have great mechanics, but sometimes they are so, so, so talented where they are able to get away with you know, not the best mechanics or funky mechanics. We got to stop just giving giving these players and these, these like, stop giving these, these labels and these comps. And Trevor Lawrence is one of those guys where generational talent, ain't no debating about it. And I, I'm not saying his label was wrong, but I'm, I'm just saying just in general, when we, when, when, when we do, when, like doing a draft, 
when we're doing this whole quarterback evaluation stuff, we got to stop being corny. Like, it's becoming corny to, to hear some people talk about quarterbacks and how they can do this with their arm. Like, dude, there is a hundred, there's thousands of 16-year-olds that can do that all across the country. Okay. That don't make them generational talents. <laughs> we got to stop. We got to stop. Legitimately, when the generational talent label was given to a player, a quarterback, three times, Elway, Peyton Manning, Trevor Lawrence, all three, they, well, we know the first two, they, they didn't pan out pretty damn well. <laughs> and then now Trevor Lawrence, who is, in my opinion, I think in a lot of people's opinion, this it's pretty clear he's turning into a star and maybe an eventual superstar. But all this other stuff, all these up, like, we got to stop. We got to stop. We must stop. We got to put it into this. We got to put it into just giving out these labels and these tags and saying this guy can do, like, please, please, please. Got to stop giving out these lazy tight, like, and, and, it's, and it's like a lot of the evaluation, like I said, it's corny. But then it's just like lazy. Like it's just lazy. We're not even fully watching the tape. We're just giving gold. This guy can, he can get out the pocket a little bit. So I guess he's like, like, no, no, he's not. He's not a, he's not a generational talent. No. Like I can tell you over the next coming years, there's going to be some quarterbacks. Obviously, Caleb Williams, Caleb Williams is going to be, he's special. He's special. You look at you turn on his tape, he's special. He'd be the number one. He he would he would definitely be the number one pick in this year's class. And he'd be eligible next year in the draft. He's gonna be the number one pick next year. There's a kid that plays in North Carolina, Drake May. Some of you might some of you guys may know of him. Some of you guys some of you guys may not even know who that is. Drake May. He won't be eligible for the draft for another two years. He's he he can play. He can sling it. But all these like all these other tags that we just come up with and give players like just like no stop. Stop. It's corny. The evaluation process of these quarterbacks and the expectations is just corny now. It's corny. It's corny. We look at pro days and uh, like and I'm not saying pro days don't matter, but we just look at a pro day and we're like, oh, yeah, this this guy, he just shoots up the chart. Like, no, stop. Stop it. Stop it. It's not right. We need to stop doing that. We need to stop being so corny and giving out these tags. This one's a generational talent. This one's a generational talent. Do you realize generational talents don't come out each and every year? They're, they're called generational talents for a reason because it's generational. You minimize the generational talent, quote unquote, when you give it out to a player each and every year. <laughs> That's the whole point of it being generational. The whole point. 
like I think sometimes we get so enamored with these words and these tags and these labels, and we like literally forget the basic meaning of it. Generational. What does generational mean? It does. It surely does not mean year by year by year what we call each and every guy the top prospect. We oh he's a generational talent. He's a generational talent. The next year he's a generational talent. No. No, he's not. <laughs> he's not. And it, you don't have to be, and I'm not saying, you don't have to be a generational talent to be a good quarterback. You can just be a good quarterback. Like, I look at Joe Burrow. I Right now, in my opinion, I think Joe Burrow is probably a top three quarterback in the league right now. He's not supremely athletic. He's, he, he's athletic enough. Huh? He can move around enough. He has good pocket presence. But he ain't like he's not Lamar Jackson's legs. You know what I mean? Joe Burrow got a pretty good arm. Doesn't have a cannon like uh, Herbert or or Josh Allen or Mahomes. But he got a, he got a he got a good enough arm. He's crazy accurate. That I give him. <laughs> so you don't have to be a generational talent to be a good quarterback. There's a lot of good quarterbacks that aren't generational talents, which is okay. Many would probably deem Tom Brady not a generational talent. You guys certainly wasn't giving him that tag come out of Michigan. So I I know I'm sounding animated, but I, I'm just trying to get my point across. Like, we gotta, we gotta chill out with these tags and giving these labels. And it's just like we're, we're losing sight of the actual definition of these labels and tags. Because generational talents just don't come out every year. They just don't do they, they don't happen like that. Sorry, they don't happen like that though. And with the whole evaluation process, it's just becoming corny. It's becoming corny and just hard to listen to, honestly. I'll be back after this quick break. All right, so I know I was uh, <laughs> I know I was a little passionate and animated in that last segment, but I just think that's the truth. I think you look at these, you look at how you know certain people evaluate the quarterback position and how it's done and the whole pre-draft process. I, I just think it's we've gotten to a point where it's just like it's just so so crazy. It is so so crazy to hear. And it's, it's, it just becomes corny and cheesy. Um, so, yeah, needed to say that. But <clears throat> I don't want to hold you guys too much longer. I'm going to get to my top 10 teams list. Uh, there's been a little bit of shaking, shaking in the in the list. So, I don't know. I, I feel, But I feel pretty good about it. I feel I, There's been a little mix-up, but I feel pretty good about it. I know you guys are excited, so I'm not even going to waste no more time. Let's get into it. At number 10, I have the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yes. Uh, as I told you guys, I think Trevor Lawrence, he, he is turning into, like, he is now entering into that class of those AFC quarter of those really good to great elite AFC quarterbacks. There's a lot of great quarterbacks in the AFC. Trevor Lawrence, I think it's one of the, he's one of the young ones that's emerging. Um, over these last like month and a half, he's been like arguably a top five quarterback in football. I mean, the numbers suggest it completion percentage, yards per game, 
touchdowns to interceptions ratio, and he's winning. I love to see young quarterbacks. I love to see young quarterbacks grow, steadily grow and improve, and they're getting better, and team success is also linear with that. I love to see it. I love to see it. I, you have a really good coaching staff in Jacksonville. Um, talented pass rushers. They got a really, they got a pretty, they got a respectable defense. Now I have them at 10 because they lost their left tackle, Cam Robinson. So they're a playoff team, I feel, with the Tannehill injury to Tennessee. I think they are definitely a playoff team. Um, now can they win a playoff game? That's a bit difficult. That'd be a really tall task, but this is a really good building block for this Jaguars team. I got them at 10. At nine, I have the Detroit Lions. Jared Goff is taking care of the football. That's the story here. He's taking care of the football. You ask yourself, how is he able to do this? Why is he not turning over the football? Well, the pocket is clean. Detroit is doing a really good job at taking care of Jared Goff and keeping him upright and tight. When you give Jared Goff some weapons, a really good scheme where Ben Johnson, offense coordinator, he's brilliant. One of the better young offensive coordinators in this league. His name is going to be ringing bells in the next two to three years for coaching jobs. So when you give Jared Goff good scheme, offensive-minded, really good offensive-minded scheme, uh, protection, and some nice weapons to throw to, this is what you get. Jared Goff can play at this level. Granted, he's not elite. Obviously, we know that. But he can play at this level, and he's won a lot of ball games in this league. And you're seeing the culture building that's happening in, in Detroit with Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell has this team. Like, they feel like a Detroit team. They feel like the city that they play in. Got a little flashiness to them due to the offense and how the league is, you know, trending towards offense, which is fine. But you can tell... They're blue collar. They match their city's grit. I like what I see with them. They have a really talented pass rush as well. I got the Lions at nine. At eight, I have the Vikings. I was really twisting and turning between these two teams, Lions, Vikings. Vikings, here's the thing. They're 10-0 in games decided by six points or less. I, I think a part of that is, you know, skill. I mean, a part of that is like luck. But then I think a greater part of that is it's like, they're good situationally. This football team, granted, they're a finesse football team, and they can't really blow you out because they don't have a good enough defense. Um, but they can, they are really good situationally and down the stretch and playing from behind. Now, to talk about their defense, the glaring weakness on their defense is probably their secondary, and they give up a lot of chunk plays. That, that's just a simple fact. They give up a lot of chunk plays. A lot of big yardage plays. You can eat on this defense. Now, they're edge rushers, talented, yet you can still eat on this defense and pick up a lot of yardage and, and, and move the ball up and down the field. That's one of the, that's the reason why they can't really blow teams out. They can't beat teams by two and three scores because their defense is really susceptible to giving up big plays, big chunk plays, and points. Now, like I said, I think I really value their ability to come from behind, win close games, and be good situationally. I really value that. So I got them at eight. At seven, I have the Dolphins. Granted, they're on a losing streak right now. I think they will get back on track this week on Christmas Day. But 
this is still a playoff team. I still think this is a playoff team. You look at the weapons that they have on offense. We know how explosive they are. I think a sign that was really good to see was they have a running game. They can run the football effectively. That was that was nice to see. Now, I'll say this. The Buffalo game, I thought their game plan was really solid. Actually, I thought their game plan was better than Buffalo's. I think I thought it was a little bit more exe- I think their game plan was executed better than Buffalo's. They executed their game plan unlike Buffalo. Now, Buffalo, the thing that got Buffalo over the top is Josh Allen. Josh Allen took over the game. And here's the thing with Miami. Two is a good quarterback, but when you played against the Bills, when you played against the Chargers, you clearly, clearly saw both games were really close. Both games were won by the opposite, the opposing quarterback, who who, who they're, they're superior. Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, they're clearly superior and better and on another level than Tua. And that's where the Tua limitations comes into play. That's where the limitations of Tua and, you know, you saw late in games, the Charger game, Herbert took over, Tua was tight, Tua couldn't complete the throws at a high percentage. And then you saw the same thing with Josh Allen where he took over the game in the fourth quarter, he put the bills on his back, and Tua just couldn't do the same. It's okay. Tua's a good quarterback. You can win a lot of games in this league with Tua, but you see the difference between a Tua Tungavailoa and Justin Herbert and Josh Allen. It's a big difference. Dolphins at 7-0. At 6, I had the Cowboys. Now, get this. Three of their four losses have come on the road. Their defense coming off a subpar week, almost giving up 200 yards of rushing on offense, giving up almost 200 rushing yards. But here's the thing. They found their own running game. Uh, 125 yards over the last seven games. So, like, they can re- they can run the football, which is a really key thing and asset for their offense. Now, I still have my questions about, at times, I think they lack discipline. Um, that goes back to coaching and Mike McCarthy. I don't like their time management. I don't, uh, and situationally, I, ha- I still have my question marks in playoff games are one situationally in close games like you you gotta you gotta have the proper personnel in terms of coaching and all these other factors to be good situationally the cowboys still they still struggle at times situationally to get things down pack and tight um i'll say and you see it you saw it this past week cd lamb is having a really good season a really really good season and i'll say this noah brown's having a really good season but when push comes to shove, situationally in tight moments, Noah Brown is the Cowboys' number two option. That can't be it. That cannot be it because, as I said, Noah Brown's having a really good season. I think a lot of it is he's he's been playing a little bit better than what he actually is. He's playing over a little bit over his head. And when push comes to shove, best case scenario, he should be your number four guy. He should be your number four receiver. He could be your three, but he should be your number four. But he's the Cowboys' number two because when CD Lamb get when teams and defenses decide they want to double double cover double cover CD Lamb in big third down situations, uh, or they want to play bracket bracket coverage, they can do that. And then Michael Gallup, up until this point, he isn't the same Michael Gallup that the Cowboys resigned and extended. And part of that could be hey. He needs another year, another full year of, you know, healing his knee. That could be the thing. Or 
this could be the reality of Michael Gallup and what he is after his knee injury. But regardless, Noah Brown, by default, is the Cowboys' number two option in big critical situations. And I just don't know how that fares. And you saw that in the Jacksonville game where he had a really good game. But those big moments, big third downs, it, it just – that's a lot to ask. Cowboys at five, at six. At five, I have the 49ers. They very well could be the favorites in the NFC. The key to the 49ers is that they have to stay healthy down the stretch. They have to stay healthy down the stretch going into the playoffs. And like I said, they could very well, it don't matter who the quarterback is, they could very well be the favorites. Um, a lot of people think they're the favorites in the NFC, and I'm not even mad at it. But here's the thing. They arguably have the best <clears throat> sorry. They arguably have the best roster in the league. Since their loss to Kansas City at home, they've been 7-0 with the bet with the number one scoring defense in football. So this team is as talented as it gets in the league. Now we got, you know, I guess people want to see Brock Purdy in bigger situations, and rightfully so. Like we still, we there's still some calls for pause, possibly. But this 49er team is definitely bound, I think, to have a deep playoff run. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if they got back to the Super Bowl and you saw them playing in Arizona representing the NFC. 49ers at five. At four, I have the Bills. Here's what scares me about the Bills, and you guys probably already know what's coming. Three three of their losses have come by a combined eight points. Would I have had would I have had, throughout this top ten list? What I have been highlighting? I've been highlighting situational football, being good situationally. And with that stat, three of their losses combined eight points, they're not good situationally. This is a problem that the Bills have had for some time now where they can't seem to close out or win these tight and close games down the stretch. They got to be able to do so. I think a lot of that comes from them not having a consistent, effective running game. And it's so they're so Josh Allen dependent for him to come through and have these heroic performances and heroic moments. But then sometimes you got like that's a lot of onus on Josh Allen, and he ma he makes a mistake. He makes mistakes. He gets a little turnover happy, and some of that is just like, hey, Josh Allen's just trying to force it. But you ask yourself, why is he trying to force it? Well, he's trying to make up for the other glaring deficiencies throughout their team. So you gotta the Bills gotta find a way to relinquish some of this onus off of Josh Allen, less pressure on Josh Allen on the week to week, so he can so he can come through a little bit more consistently in those big time moments. But I I still like the Bills. I th I still think they're a really good football team. I think they could. I think there's still a possibility that they can win that whole thing. I still think that they just have to play a certain way. Bills at four. At three, I had the Chiefs. Their pass defense really scares me. Opposing quarterbacks, uh, they have their average and uh, pass rate in the ninety nine, uh, and I and I always say like, hey, their pass their their pass defense stats can be a little misleading and a little inflated because they usually have the lead. But no, you watch them; they really struggle. They really struggle in pass defense. Like they really really struggle to. Defend the pass. Now, here's their saving grace. They have the best player in the sport. They have one of the best players to ever play the sport. They have the MVP. They have the best quarterback right now, situationally, in the league, in Patrick Mahomes. That's who they have. 
And more times than not, he comes through. And that's what you have as a great quarterback. They also have the best coach quarterback combo, combo, the duo in 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 the league. That also helps too. <laughs> that helps when you have Andy Reid, one of the best play play innovators, play callers in league history, along with the best player in football, the best quarterback in football, the best quarterback situationally in football, and along with the MVP. It helps. It helps. And that'll be their saving grace. Like I said, I say it for the Bills. I say it for the Chiefs. They have to play in a certain way, but this team could very well represent the AFC in Arizona in the Super Bowl come February. Chiefs at three. At number two, I have the Eagles. O-line, D-line, really good. I think defensively, we highlight their defensive line and their presence, which is, it's a great presence, and they got a really good defensive line. But we don't talk about that secondary enough. They got some lockdown corners. They can take away your number one option. They can take your number two option out the game. They got lockdown corners that can make play on the ball. On the ball. The secondary is really, really, like, they're ball hawks. They're going to go after picks. They can turn you over. I don't think we talk about that defense, that secondary enough where they're just flying over the place. They can lock dudes up. This this Eagles team is really, really hard to really move the ball down the field. And they, they can't stop the run. That's the thing. They're good against the pass, similar, similar, kind of similar to Dallas a little bit, where Dallas can't really stop the run. But if you if you throw the ball on Dallas, their pass rush is that good, it'll get to you. Well, Philly, they got a really talented secondary. And, you know, you it's hard to throw the ball on them, but if you you can run the football in Philly. That's the thing. That's worrisome. And then also, I think offensively, they rely on Jalen Hurts' legs more than they rely on his arm. Now, and I'll say this to combat that a little bit, because that's still a problem. That's still a problem where, like, okay, what happens if you get down by two scores? That could be a problem versus a team like the 49ers, the Chiefs, the Bills the Bengals if the Eagles make it to the Super Bowl. Like, that could be an issue where they're relying on his legs and they need his arm. That can be an issue. Now, I say this about Jalen Hurts. He he has made and took tremendous strides as a passer. As a passer, of as a, as a pure thrower of the football. At Alabama, he was really hard to watch. At OU, you could really see he has some deficiencies. His first couple years in the league, you can still see, okay, he's getting a little better. But up until this point right now, he's made some tremendous strides on working on his game as a, as a passer of the football. You really see it. And some of that has to, you know, it helps when you got some nice receivers and some nice, some nice pass catchers. But also, you got to be able to get the ball there. And Jalen Hurts, He's taking some tremendous strides. Eagles at two. At number one, I have the Bengals. This team could beat you. This team could play any style. They can beat anybody. Any given week, they can beat anybody at home, on the road. Doesn't matter. Um, We already know what they can do offensively. I think that's clear. I think defensively, we don't talk about them enough. They have a top 10 defense. This is a top 10 defense. Mind you, they've been missing Trey Henderson. Mind you, they their, their, their best DB in Owusie, he, he, he got hurt. Like season in the injury, and that could come back to bite them. But it's still a top ten defense, and I think we overlook their defense because they don't have a guy named Bosa, or they don't have Bosas, or they don't have a Khalil Mack, they don't have an Aaron Donald, they don't have a Michael Parsons, they don't have these these star these noteworthy names defensively. 
and or, or Watt. They don't have that, but they got some really nice players, productive players, Trey Hendrickson, Jesse Bates, Juan Pratt. I mean, they like each and every level and unit defensively, they're good. They're good. They can beat you in a variety of ways. And then offensively, they, they got a nice two running back tandem with P. Ryan and Joe Mixon. Obviously, we know about Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. They are really good. This is a really good collective group. I think right now, I, I feel Eagles don't have Jalen Hurts. I think this Cincinnati team, they can be anybody. I don't honestly, I don't think the Bills want to see this team. I don't think the Chiefs want to see this team. I don't think if you're AS, you don't want to see this team. They can beat you any given time. And then with Joe Burrow, man, I talked about Patrick Mahomes being the best quarterback situationally, which he is. But Joe Burrow might be the second best quarterback in the league situationally because he's so cool, so calm, under pressure. It doesn't matter the score of the game. It can be a 14-point deficit, 17-point deficit. He has the same cool, calm, and collectiveness. He can get sacked nine times in the playoff game and still be fine. You know how I know? Because he's done it. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen experience is the best teacher. And this team is battle-tested, and they have a lot of experience just from last year. This team is really good. I made a hot take about them a couple weeks ago. I think they're going to finish with the number one seed in the AFC. And we'll see what happens from there. But Cincinnati, I think they're really scary. They can beat anybody, and they can play a variety of styles. They can win in a shootout. They can win in a slugfest. They can win physically. They can, like... They can win in a variety of ways. They can come from behind. They got so many styles. Like, they're probably a boxer that doesn't rely on, like, they're a boxer that just has so much versatility. Where they, they, they like, they don't, they don't, they're not a southpaw. They're not a, they're not a brawler, but they're not just solely a defensive fighter. They got a good knockout punt. Like, they got a little bit of everything. Like, this, the Bengals, the Bengals are who the be who the Bengals are who we thought the Bills were going to be. Where nobody wants to play them. They're so balanced. They're so good defensively. They're so good offensively. They can run the football. No, that's actually Cincinnati. That's actually Cincinnati. Cincinnati's that good. Trust me, they're that good. My top ten list. Here it is. That's it. Um, and I think I'm gonna wrap this bad boy up. Hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, I really enjoyed, uh, you know, this week, really, honestly, you know, give you guys three episodes. Hope you guys enjoy the holidays. Always remember two choices, one decision. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to everyone listening and supporting. Uh, hope you guys enjoy your Christmas. Hope everybody gets what they want. Uh, remember, it's not all about the gifts. Uh, you know, no, you know, know the reason and know the significance of the day. Um and yeah, enjoy, enjoy. I hope you guys really enjoy your Christmas. Enjoy your families. Enjoy football. Enjoy basketball. All that good stuff. Peace, deuces. I am out. See y'all next week. <laughs>